to you. Welcome to WKTY Outdoors. I'm Kevin Millard, your host. Thank you very much for joining me this Saturday morning. Hope you're having a wonderful weekend, making the most of it, and getting out and doing a little outdoor recreating there, and whether it's hunting, hiking, fishing, what have you, biking, just get out and enjoy it. We are so blessed in our area here with uh, beautiful scenery and wonderful outdoor recreational opportunities. Uh, it's a shame to Spend all that time indoors and not get out there and enjoy it. I want to thank Jason here in the studio. This uh, show is uh, coming to you on uh, on tape today. Uh, it's because uh, I'm, I'm not here. So uh, I'll be back in a, a couple of weeks with uh, or next week with another show. So uh, in the meantime, uh, got, a good, uh, got a good show for you today. Uh, Going to be something, uh, first part of an interview that uh, I did with uh, with local chef Sean McManus. Uh, and uh, it's something that, uh, uh, as I mentioned in the interview, something I've, I've wanted to do for a long time as far as a, a, a segment on the show, and I just have not gotten around to it. It just hasn't worked out. Now we got it. Talking about uh, fishing, and uh, you know, we talk about how to catch everything, but not what to do to prepare them. So we do that. That's, uh, that's going to be coming up a, a little bit later on in the program. So uh, I hope you enjoy that. Again, uh, that'll be... Uh, We'll play part one this week, and then uh, next week uh, we'll have the uh, the second part for you here. Now, just and because uh, I'm recording this ahead of time here, so I, I don't really have much in the way of uh, a hotspot report. Uh, I do want to tell you, though, I want to take a moment and, and tell you that WKTY Outdoors is brought to you by uh, Tony Ryerson at tryerson.cbrivervalley.com. Uh, get the home or plot of land you've always wanted. Wanted to mention that, and certainly mention that. Uh, you know, the conditions report every week is brought to you by Roscoe's Live Bait in Toma. Uh, if you're looking for places to go, you know, in the Toma area, stop into Roscoe's you know, and get what you need, uh, whether it's tackle, you know, rods, reels, whatever. You're in certainly uh, plenty of live bait. Uh, and, uh, and, and talk to, talk to Don there, and he'll get you, uh, he'll get you on the fish. He'll, uh, he'll let you know where, uh, where the good spots are to, uh, to check out there. And certainly, um, I want to thank the folks over at Powerhouse Marine as well for sponsoring the Hotspot Report uh, every Saturday morning here on WKTY Outdoors. Uh, and uh, you know, just uh, you know, even though I'm recording this ahead of time, yeah, you know, it, I would I would venture to say that uh, there, you, you've got a couple of great places to check out here. Certainly, some of the backwater areas uh, off the uh, off the main channel there. I, you know, the walleye fishing is, is, is going to be doing pretty well. I think, uh, they're getting going. Um, but bass fishing right now, I think is really going to start to, uh, to take off here as, uh, conditions continue to improve and, you know, you're still fishing some of those, uh, brushy weedy areas there, but, uh, uh, certainly the, uh, you know, I'm thinking like that, you know, Shopko Bay, uh, up in there along the black river, um, Again, maybe some uh, some places up uh, along at Lake Onalaska as well uh, in some of those weeds in there. Um, I'm thinking maybe that topwater bite's finally going to start to 
they really get going, get those frogs out, and uh, really have some fun with those. So uh, looking forward to uh, to that as well. So uh, I am going to uh, to take a short break, and then uh, we'll come back with that uh, interview, uh, part one of that interview with uh, with Chef Sean McManus, as WKTY Outdoors continues here on the WKTY 96.7 FM and 580 AM. Where are you going? I'm going to Roscoe's. I need new tackle, and he has the best live bait as well. Well, are you going to take me with you? I was hoping so. You know, I'm not a good listener, and Roscoe knows fish. He'll tell us what's biting on what. Aw, so you do listen to me once in a while. I told you, everybody goes to Roscoe's. You know that. The moral of the story is, well, wives are usually right. And Roscoe's live bait in Toma is your fishing knowledge destination. Roscoe's is where everyone goes. It feels like you're frozen, petrified. You're struggling with your mortgage payments. The bills begin to pile up. Not knowing what to do, you do nothing at all. And that's the worst thing you can do. Because if you take action, if you do something about your mortgage problems, you're far more likely to get the most positive outcome. Making Home Affordable is a free government program. Call 888-995-HOPE to talk one-on-one with a housing expert about the options that are right for you. Real help, real answers, right now. Call 888-995-HOPE or visit makinghomeaffordable.gov and do something about your mortgage problems. Brought to you by the U.S. Treasury, HUD, and the Ad Council. Hey, Dave Ramsey here. If you're like most folks, spending money you don't have and not having a plan is your default setting. Way too many people are oblivious to the fact that financial freedom and wealth is out there just waiting for them if they would just make smarter choices with their money. Well, that's why I'm a fan of Bruce the Money Man and his team at Firefighters Credit Union. Firefighters Credit Union will help you make smart checking and savings choices that can help you change your default setting to a new setting that makes sense for you and your family. I like these guys and they understand what I teach and they are just waiting for you to come by. Believe me, you don't know how fortunate you are to have Firefighters Credit Union right in your backyard. Visit Firefighters Credit Union today or online at myfirecu.org. Membership eligibility required, equal housing lending. Deposits are insured by the NCUA. WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM. Welcome back to WKTY Outdoors. Brought to you by Tony Ryerson at tryerson.cbrivervalley.com. Get the home or plot of land you've always wanted. And one of the things that we talk about, <clears throat> obviously a lot on this show, is uh, is catching fish. It's kind of the primary focus of the show, as, as you well know. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the things that, that, and I've done this time to time over the years, but haven't really 
had a chance to really delve into it a great deal, which is kind of unfortunate because to me that's half the you know half the fun, half the enjoyment of uh, of going out and fishing is yeah you catch a bunch of fish, bluegills, trout, whatever, walleyes, what have you, you know, and uh, you know I was talking about catching them and everything, going to all the places and whatnot, and and that's cool, and and that's obviously very very helpful, but never talk about what what to do next, what to do. I mean, what are you gonna you know? Okay, I got a bunch of fish. What am I gonna do? I'm gonna cook them up. Okay, so that's what we're doing here uh, on the the program here. Uh, this week, anyway, that's kind of the main focus of the program this week, and uh, part of next week's show as well uh, is uh, playing back. Uh, it, it's it's a longer interview. That's why I'm breaking it up into a couple of weeks here. Uh, but uh, it's an interview that uh, I had the chance to do um, with uh, local chef Sean McManus, and uh, I've known Sean for years, and and have been trying to figure out a way to get him on the show. And now it's like, okay, everything kind of came together and we made it work and it, uh, it's good stuff now. So, uh, but, uh, we talk a little bit about, uh, uh actually a lot of kind of cover the, the whole game, you know, cleaning the fish, what to do with them. Uh, and then, uh, and then we, we, we talk recipes. So, um, might as well enjoy this. It's, it, it, it was a lot of fun for me. It's always good to, to chat with Sean. Like I said, I've known him for years. I've, I've taken several classes with him, uh, several cooking classes with him, and uh, always, always come away with uh, with some new ideas and some some new techniques and some just new ways of of, of looking at food and and uh, and preparing food in in really really tasty ways. Um, yeah, there's a he's got a Thai fish cake recipe in here that uh, is just uh, wow. Had it a few weeks ago, and it is just awesome. Um, but uh, we'll talk about that. And like I said, we talk a lot of different, uh, a lot of different things about uh, uh, preparing fish, cooking fish, and and like I said, uh, it's uh, it's a pretty wide ranging interview, and and I, I hope you enjoy it. Uh, it's not where to go and what to do to catch the fish. We've done that already. Now we're going to talk about what to do to uh, get them ready for the table. So uh, let's uh, delve into that interview with uh, Chef Sean McManus here on WKTY Outdoors. I guess my first question, first of all, uh, Sean, thanks for uh, thanks for coming in. I appreciate uh, appreciate you being here. I've been wanting to do this kind of a show for uh, for a number of years now, and and get you in the studio here. So finally got this. Uh, I can check this off the bucket list here. So we got to <laughs> we're going to talk a little bit about we talk a lot about fishing, but don't talk about what happens afterwards. Afterwards, and sure. The, the cooking part, <laughs> the enjoyment part. Um, or the secondary enjoyment part, I guess, is fishing. Catching them is half the fun. So you're right, right, yeah. yeah. So uh, again, thanks for uh, thanks for coming in today. And uh, I, I guess uh, you know maybe just start off a little bit by um, you got the fish, whether it's a, a bluegill or a perch or a walleye or one of the other great species we've got around here. Okay, what do you do with it? <laughs> Well, first of all, <laughs> that isn't a broad yeah. question. <laughs> well, uh, uh, thank you for having me. This is, this is awesome. Um, yeah, you know, one of the things, you know, in our local waters here is, you know, when you, when you catch a fish, at that point you, you want to know that, you know, that it's legal to keep mm-hmm. in terms of size for that particular, you know, uh, species. Sure. And um, and get, having it in a live well is going to be your best bet to okay. keeping it. You know, keep, keeping it alive, keeping it happy. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, th- it goes with it, food in general. If the animal itself is still in that active 
um, environment, uh, mm-hmm. you're, you're going to have a fresher type fish where mm-hmm. if it had died in the live well or if you had it on a stringer and some of them died, they, they can feel that. So I guess that's the personal level sure. of me and, sure. and food. Sure. But, um, yeah, get, getting it home and, uh, and keeping them cold. Uh, cold, cold not only is going to keep them fresh, but it's, it's going to stiffen up the actual meat and it's going to be easier to cut. Okay. So, so think about that. Uh, one of the things I like to do right away is I'll, I'll rinse off the fish when I get them home in, uh, in cold water. Mm-hmm. And, then, uh, and then I'll pat them dry and then I'll begin whatever process at that point. Okay. Um, if it's uh, pan fish or if it's catfish or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. But uh, I would say starting out with you know a, a nice happy fish, yeah. Um, and and if the fish is still alive, then what I what I typically do is I'll just let them sit out on paper towel or a nice clean towel and just let them pass mm-hmm. <laughs> at home because there's times where you're just like I can't believe they're still alive. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if you feel like just jumping in and cutting into them, you certainly can. But I usually I usually let them pass mm-hmm. <laughs> on the table. Okay. All right. <laughs> So yeah, and and uh, you know the the other thing too is uh, let's let's go to the next the next step then starting the the, the cleaning process. Um, where do you start? Well, a couple different ways of preparing things. Um, you know, some folks like to have the the scales on and they go right into filleting, or mm-hmm. you can start the scaling process. And typically, um, what I prefer and a lot of folks prefer to do is the filleting portion. Mm-hmm. And so what you're going to be looking at, let's say in terms of a blue grill, blue grill, blue grill, <laughs> <laughs> now I'm thinking grilling yeah. <laughs> and, and crappies is you would uh, either use a spoon mm-hmm. or, um, you could use, uh, like a stiff knife. Some folks tend to lean toward the fillet knife cause that's already in the process. Mm-hmm. And it's usually easier to skin if you're using like a stiffer knife, like a hunting knife okay. or a chef's knife or something like that. Um, so if you are going to skin it, uh, you, you want to go right into actually cutting off the head first Okay, is what you want to do. And, and what you want to do is you, you want to go around the pectoral fin. Mm-hmm. And so you want to lift up the pectoral fin, which is going to be close to the eye, and you want to go behind there. And there's going to be a little bone, especially on bluegill and crappie. And you want to go to the furthest end of that bone. The bone's going to be closer to the actual head itself. You mm-hmm. want to go on the other side of that. And if you're looking at doing it whole, then when you cut, you want to kind of go at an angle toward the top of the head by the eye because that's where more of that meat's going to be. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's almost like a slight V-cut is really okay. where you're kind of going with it. And uh, you're just going to do that cut there, and then you're going to go around and then cut the bottom. So it's a li- it looks like when you chop the head off, it's a V-type mm-hmm. cut. Um, at that point, you can uh, hold the tail, and you can decide to skin if you like. Uh, you can use a spoon or a chef's knife. Mm-hmm. And uh, you would go toward the head from the tail, holding the tail down on the table. Uh, there are different tools. I've seen folks even use, um, like, vice grips. <laughs> and with small fish like panfish, you can literally just hold the tail. Yeah. And uh, skin going upwards on both sides. And then at that point, you would, um, you would go into the area where you cut off the head, and you would make a slight incision, then heading uh, in the bottom area or the belly of the fish, heading to the back, and then you'll be able to stick your thumb in and do the gutting at that portion. Okay. Some folks have this misconception that they need to right away go right into the belly and then go right up to the head and then get their fingers in there, mm-hmm. and you don't necessarily have to do that. Okay. Um, one great thing, um, skipping all those steps um, on the skinning, is filleting. 
Mm-hmm. So with filleting, you're still going to do the same cut with the head underneath the pectoral fin, cutting off the head, and then you're going to go down toward the tail, and you're actually going to start filleting it through the belly okay. and, and laying it over so you'll be folding it with your hand and actually just scraping the bone to get okay. that outer flesh layer. Mm-hmm. And you can fillet just like that without even gutting it, okay. which is awesome. So some cool two different type techniques. Couple of couple of different techniques. Yeah, I I I, I guess I'm I'm used to the gutting it and and everything. Now I'm gonna have to have to try the the non gutting method there. It's yeah. just to <laughs> probably say, and, and I'm guessing once you get that, you know, I mean, it's, it's it's it comes with practice or whatever. But yeah, and but once you get that, I'm you know, I'm sure you can you can do that a whole lot faster than. Than you would if you had to gut it and do the whole nine yeah, yards and everything. Exactly. And I think some folks are really going for flavor, and that's where the skinning comes in. Mm-hmm. So you're going to scale it out, and then you're actually going to be keeping that skin on the actual fish itself, cooking it whole or stuffing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I hear a lot of folks say, well, that's where your flavor is at, is keeping that skin on after scaling. And uh, I actually became allergic to fish about nine years ago. Wow. <laughs> I had a little bit of an outbreak myself. Um, but I, I ate fish most of my life coming from California, mm-hmm. fishing locally here with my grandfather, and still fishing and yeah. enjoying it and cleaning and cooking. Um, but a lot of folks tend to, to go toward the filleting um, just because it's a lot easier. And you actually don't even need to gut the fish mm-hmm. when you're doing the filleting. So, yeah, some cool techniques. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and and we're going to talk a, a little bit more here about some uh, – we're going to get into the, the recipes here in just a, a little bit as well. So uh, we'll talk about some different uh, uh, preparations, that uh, some recipes that Sean has brought in today, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about uh, about some of those things as well. I, is there a, a big difference – and just to talk a little bit more about filleting the fish and, and uh, everything – is there a big difference? Uh, well, other than other than size, of course, but uh, you know, like a walleye, filleting a walleye versus filleting a crappie or a bluegill, even a northern for that matter. You know, how much of a difference is there in terms of you know what do you have to kind of pay attention to in terms of of you know what you're doing with the knife? Yeah, um, it's. I, I think it's easier when it's a, when it's a larger fish because you actually do not have to go to the realm of cutting the head off. Mm-hmm. You can still come behind the pectoral and slice down toward the dorsal fin mm-hmm. and then still fold over and still get your fillets. And it's a lot easier with the larger fish like the walleyes mm-hmm. or um, some of your local salmon, uh, sure. farm-raised salmon, or even catfish. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I find it a little easier that way with the larger fish. So yeah, same technique, same mm-hmm. technique, a little bit easier. And um, you just get a lot more meat, and it's great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> more eating. That's uh, that's, yeah. a, that's a that's a good thing. Um, so you've got uh, and and do you have to you know I, I talk about you know the bones and things along those lines? Uh, once you've got the fillets, is that kind of the next step? Is is going into and talk and, and trying to remove some of those bones and. Uh, like the little pin bones and things along those lines, where where, where does that fall in the process? Yeah, so you, you're always going to want to check, regardless if you're filleting or if you're going to cut full sides of fish, you're always going to want to go in and feel and massage. And, and you kind of want to go with the grain mm-hmm. so you're not bruising the meat. Um, for instance, uh, working with some of uh, Nelson's 
trout, trout and salmon farm working with their <laughs> salmon, um, I, I've had to go in and just really massage it and find those pin bones. And I usually use like uh, needle nose pliers, uh, ones that have been burnt actually and cleaned <laughs> or <laughs> brand new, um, and, and, and go in and remove those pin bones. So you're always looking for those. Um, another thing that you're looking for is uh, parasites. So when you start working with whiter fish, like you're um, working with like, um, you know, let's say you store, even store-bought sides of, uh, uh, let's say, swordfish, for instance, mm-hmm. or halibut, um, you're, you're going to see, uh, on occasion, you are going to see these little white uh, dots, and those could be parasites. Um, and you actually want to remove those the same way that you would um, okay. using uh, uh, the pin bones with the needle and those pliers and, and pressing down and letting the, the heads expose. Sounds kind of nasty yeah. and, <laughs> and out of hand, but those are the two things I'm looking for when mm-hmm. I'm working with fish is uh, parasites and then the pin bones. Yeah. Okay. All right. And then uh, um, I guess uh, what do you like to do with that uh, next then? You got, we've, got, you, we've got the fillets. We've got the fish cleaned. Um, do, you just, do you rinse them off again, just kind of give them a, a last rinse or not or – um, yeah, um, what I do with like bluegill and crappie and sunfish is I actually, uh, after I rinse them off in cold water, after I did the gutting portion, um, or even just the fillets, I'll soak them in a saltwater brine. And I don't do a lot of salt. It's usually one teaspoon for about a quart to mm-hmm. a quart and a half. Um, so you don't, you're not looking for a really salty brine. But I usually brine them for a few hours. Um, I've heard of folks doing it overnight. Okay. Um, and and it, it gives the fish just that that little bit of salt saltiness that you that you're looking for, and mm-hmm. you don't have to over salt at the top uh, with a finishing okay. salt or inside your breading or things mm-hmm. like that. It's 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 just starting the seasoning process, really. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. And that's typical for uh, sun, you know, sunfish and mm-hmm. things like that. Okay. And it doesn't and and it. It doesn't matter if you're gonna you're gonna bread them or just fry you know what I mean just fry the fillets or bread them or any of that it, you still do that that brining process absolutely um, with panfish okay yeah with my salmon and things like that I typically would just go into like a marinade or mm-hmm. yeah a dry okay. rub or something like that okay yeah. all right um, and uh, I, I guess uh, at this uh, at, at this point let's uh, talk a little bit about uh, some recipes here. Yeah, absolutely. I brought a few great ones with me, uh, some classics and some fun ones um, from overseas that I think would be a lot of uh, fun for folks to try at home, mm-hmm. especially after they just get right off the water. Um, and some of these recipes here are good with any varieties of local fish that we have. So I thought we'd kind of mix it up a little bit okay. and have some typical and then some non-typical. Um, going into typical, uh, I teach a, a, a Thai class. Yeah. And I know that you have attended. Right. Uh, yep. I took that uh, a few weeks ago, enjoyed it a great deal, as always. Yeah, a lot of fun. Um, and this recipe came to mind when you had mentioned that we're going to be kind of speaking on the subject of local fish. I'm thinking, what's very universal? Mm-hmm. And my Todd Mun Pla, which is a Thai fish cake. Um, so after you, uh, let's say it, it's a sunfish, it could be sunfish, it could be bluegill, it could be crappie. You could all use all three types. It even could be bullheads. Mm-hmm. Um, you can use all types for this. Uh, you could even use trout for this particular recipe. Um, but so you, you would you do the filleting, and then you'd actually skin them off, and then you would do your brine, and you can do it for a couple hours. You don't have to do the overnight yeah. setting on that. In this particular recipe, um, it would be uh, two 
fillets. So you're looking at anywhere between you, – you want about a pound for this recipe, which makes about 12 cakes. Mm-hmm. And that's good for a family of four or five. Sure. Um, so you're looking at it for about a pound of fillets, and that would be skinned and then chopped up. So you're actually going to be chopping up this meat. Now, some folks are thinking, that just seems weird. <laughs> <laughs> I'm chopping up fillets, mm-hmm. you know. And, and it's Well, depending of, on how yeah. good their knife techniques are, maybe that's what they end up with to begin with, and they've just saved it. Yeah, very true, very true, yeah. <laughs> but if you're skeptical with your knife skills on this one, feel free to throw it in a food processor and just pulse it out. It doesn't, it, I mean, it could be a rough chop. It doesn't have mm-hmm. to be pureed by any means. You, want, you still want a little chunkiness yeah. on these. And then it's two-thirds cup green beans, uh, which would be a little bit blanched. You can use uh, Chinese long beans. You can right. use regular green beans if you like. And that's what that's what we use, the Chinese long beans, which really, I think, gave it a nice, yeah. give it a nice flavor. Yeah, and, and those are great. Uh, they're inexpensive, and they're easy to cook because it's long beans, and you, you're blanching them in you know, salt water, mm-hmm. and then you're like essentially g- grabbing uh, a pair of tongs, and you're pulling them all out at one time. Yeah. Versus green beans, now you're picking the ends. and mm-hmm. <laughs> So uh, fun to work with. Uh, if you don't have those, you can use uh, canned green beans as well. Mm-hmm. That's that's fine. And then you're going to chop those down to about a quarter inch thick or so. It's th- You're thinking about this mixture the whole yeah. time that you're breaking this stuff down. Um, uh, next thing on the list would be four kefir lime leaves. If you can't find those, then you can actually do um, lime zest. Uh, okay. In place of that, uh, of one uh, lime on that, or two limes, uh, kefir lime leaves that are in a chiffonade or like a ribbon cut or very thin mm-hmm. uh, sliced. And then it's one to two eggs that are beaten. You can uh, you can start with one and see if that adheres your mixture. Um, but I, I usually do two, and we'll keep that off to the side. And then uh, we have two tablespoons of the red curry paste. Now you're mixing this all together. So yeah. you're doing this in a large bowl. Uh, but I would keep the eggs off to the side until you get that initial mixture going. Um, a little bit of corn uh, cornstarch on this, so it's one teaspoon of cornstarch, one teaspoon of baking powder, uh, half a tablespoon of brown sugar. Now, you can kind of play with that. If you're not into sweet, I believe when we had our class, mm-hmm. uh, I did one tablespoon for quite a few cakes. But some folks said it was a little on the sweeter side. Hmm. So if you're looking for more of that savory, just cut down or um, omit that, yeah. uh, that, mm-hmm. that brown sugar there. Uh, you can also use agave nectar in that as well. Okay. Uh, honey works as well. Mm-hmm. So just any sweetener that you prefer. Um, and then uh, this is optional, two teaspoons of fish sauce. Uh, you don't have to put that in there, especially if you have um, a, a crappie or a, a sunfish locally here. There's enough fish flavor inside mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> that fish being being as oily as they yeah, are. Yeah, I think I think when we we took the we had like tilapia or something, and and it just it added a little extra flavor that fish the fish sauce. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and tilapia is one I would add the fish sauce to. Um, and uh, even if you're using walleye, I would probably add it to the walleye as well, mm-hmm. um, just because it's uh, not a real fishy fishy type flavor. Um, and then the uh, canola oil for frying. Uh, I, I typically like canola oil. There's a lot of allergies out there to peanuts. Uh, old-fashioned folks really love peanut oil for um, panfish and for this recipe as well. Um, but with allergies, you never know. So I sure. uh, tend to stick to uh, using canola oil at 350 on this one. And then you just mix all the ingredients together. 
Uh, make sure that your, your fish is broken down. Uh, if, if there's large pieces in there, uh, take them back out and, just, and hand chop them. But uh, mix all those together. Uh, you can choose at this point if you just want to direct fry them. Make sure you're laying them in the oil away from you. Anything you put in oil, regardless if it's a beer batter or a breaded filet, um, lay it away from you. Um, be safe on this one. Hot oil, um, usually in a cast iron pan. Um, <laughs> just be real careful yeah. on that. And um, and then have a drying area already set up. The last thing you want to do is throw everything inside this cast iron pan or a Dutch oven with mm-hmm. oil in it and then go, oh, wait a minute, now I need to run and find paper towels. And uh, you could sacrifice your yeah. fish at that point. <laughs> Um, so, and then you, you, you just flip the, flip the cakes, you, you hand patty those to what size that you like, and then, uh, you flip them. And if some folks are a little eerie about, well, maybe some of the fish is still raw, but the outside was cooked, you can finish them in the oven really nicely mm-hmm. or just lower your heat to about 300, um, and then calm that, that frying process down. You're going to get that nice golden brown yep. on both sides and then just cut into a portion of it and kind of fold it and see where you're at um, and make sure that uh, it's not opaque and it's it's more of that white in color. Mm-hmm. Um, and then pat those dry and serve them with a sweet chili sauce or yeah. whatever you like, maybe a bed of the green beans and mm-hmm. kind of have fun with it. Yeah. So. And it's, uh, oh yeah, it's, uh, I, I can, I can attest to the fact that that's, that is really tasty. And I, and um, I'm sure with, with like a, a sunfish or you know, crappie or something like a different, a different fish, as the the main ingredient there or whatever, yeah, that's going to just really, really pop in terms of flavor. Absolutely. And that is part one of my interview with Chef Sean McManus talking about what to do to make some really, really tasty fish. That, Like I said, that that, uh, fish cake recipe is just incredible. Oh, man, is that so good. Um, And we've got more recipes that we'll be talking about uh, coming up on next week's show in part two of that interview uh, so look forward to that. And, uh, again, you know, if, if you're looking for ideas to prepare fish, we sure certainly will, uh, be able to share those, uh, share those with you. going to take a uh, break and then come back with more of WKTY Outdoors in just a few moments here on WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM. It's 6.42 p.m. Time for Steve Plato and his son Dylan to do the dishes. They talk about everything from the yuckiness of girls to the awesomeness of his soccer team. Sometimes they don't talk at all. Then, okay, the dreaded <laughs> splash fight. It's dad o'clock, and it's the best time of the day. Because the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Take time to be a dad today. Call 877-4DAD-411 or visit fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Despite a winter that lingered longer than average, anglers in the Badger State are finding good to excellent conditions on most rivers and lakes. For the diehard to the novice, it's important to have the right gear. At Ace of Lacrosse, you can find everything you need. Rods, reels, baits, lures, licenses, and advice. The people at Sportland at Ace love the sport and can help you find just the right spot. Stop by, visit with the folks at Ace. Before you know it, you could be reeling in the big one. Ace Hardware on Mormon Cooley Road. 
Where are you going? I'm going to Roscoe's. I need new tackle, and he has the best live bait as well. Well, are you going to take me with you? I was hoping so. You know, I'm not a good listener, and Roscoe knows fish. He'll tell us what's biting on what. Aw, so you do listen to me once in a while. I told you, everybody goes to Roscoe's. You know that. The moral of the story is, well, wives are usually right. And Roscoe's live bait in Toma is your fishing knowledge destination. Roscoe's is where everyone goes. WKTY is your source for high school sports, covering more than 100 local contests each year. And each year we honor the most outstanding student-athletes in the lacrosse area by providing them college scholarships through the Schneider Heating and Air Conditioning Sportscaster Club. So far, we've given away $100,000 in scholarships. To show your support for high school athletics in the Cooley region, consider patronizing these fine sponsors. ABC Auto Body, Advanced Plumbing Systems, Bluffside Tavern, Firefighters Credit Union, Olerud Team Next Home, Fossum Funeral Home, Pratt Lumber, Mr. Electric, River Bank, Schumacher Kish Funeral Home, Wafer, Washaw Chiropractic Clinic, Western Technical College, Begnevsky Heating and Air Conditioning, Balduzzi Lumber, and Remax Brandon Kane. The Schneider Heating and Air Conditioning Sportscaster Club. Honoring outstanding student-athletes in the Cooley region. Welcome back to WKTY Outdoors on WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM. WKTY Outdoors is brought to you by Tony Ryerson at tryerson.cbrivervalley.com. Get the home or plot of land you've always wanted. And shifting gears a, a little bit here uh, from the uh, the world of cooking fish and preparing some uh, tasty fillets to uh, shifting to uh, an interview. Actually, dug back in the archives and I'd forgotten I kind of had this uh, in here. I got this about uh, 10 years ago, as a matter of fact, at the uh, Great Waters Fly Fishing Show uh, Expo up in... Uh, up in the Twin Cities here, and uh, had the opportunity, and, and talked about fly, we talk about fly fishing on this show, and, uh, and certainly uh, talk about trout, panfish, uh, even carp for that matter, uh, but one of the uh, the trends, of course, is uh, always got to catch the big ones. Yeah, and uh, this time around, we're going to talk about fly fishing for muskies. So uh, this was an interview that I did, uh, like I said, about 10 years ago, so digging back into the archives here uh, to talk to Tom Greenup, a uh, a guide who guides up on the uh, up on the Chippewa in northern Wisconsin, and uh, he he specializes in fly fishing for muskie. So uh, during the interview here, we talk about the uh, the challenges of fly rotting for those uh, big fish, uh, the flies that he uses, uh, the tackle, and and of course, uh, <laughs> I don't know about you, if 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 I on a fly rod, if I pull in a big muskie, yeah, that's going to be uh, that's going to be a, a, a definitely a fun time. So uh, here is that uh, interview with Tom Greenup on WKTY Outdoors. My uh, my first question for you, uh, Tommy, is uh, how different is it from catching trout versus catching muskie? Well, there's a large difference, especially in the size of the fish. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the muskies are a warm water fish. Uh, we fish them mostly in the rivers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's just completely different. We use 10... 10 weight rods, 9 weight rods, 
three-aught, four-aught hooks for, for our flies, and it's uh, completely different. Warm water is a completely different fishing than for trout. And uh, as far as uh, uh, the flies go, obviously uh, quite a bit bigger, um, certainly a lot more uh, bolder colors, I guess, if you would, for uh, for musky. What uh, what sort of things are, are really draw them in when it when it comes to uh, casting a fly? As far as drawing the, the muskies yeah, into yeah. the fly, is you want to try to match a hatch a lot like you do in trout fishing. We try to match the smallmouth bass, the suckers, the red horse, and try to duplicate them as much as we can. We try to make our flies more of a neutral buoyancy so they float. Uh, we control our depth of our flies by the type of fly line we're using. Uh, and then a lot of times we just tie something big and nasty with a lot of flash in it and just try to get that killer strike out of them. So. And uh, as far as, obviously, the, the, the muskie is uh, not quite as uh, prolific as, say, uh, trout or bass or whatever, um, you know, how hard is it to, to coax one of these things to, to hit a fly, I guess? I, that maybe is a, sim a simple way of asking it, but, you know, uh, you, you know, how much hunting do you go into it and, and you know, looking for the, the structure, location, things along those lines? Well, it's, you know, we do hunt the muskies. That's, that's the whole name of the game. You know, there's this fallacy that's been around a long time that muskies are, you know, a fish of 10,000 casts. Uh, on the rivers, uh, muskies originated in the rivers here in Wisconsin. Uh, it's a lot easier to, to catch and hunt muskies in the rivers because we know their structures. They, they're structure-oriented fish, and you learn where they, where their habitat is, where they like to hang out, and fish them. And then we hunt them. It's uh, you got to keep an eye on your fly. You got to watch it all the time because they will follow and not strike and. You got to keep working at them and try to do that little figure eight that a lot of the gear guys do, and and you can do it. We're very successful. We've had a lot of very big fish. I've had eight of my clients post line class world records in the last two years. Wow, and that's uh, and that's 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 impressive. Uh, in in, uh, in and that's all in Wisconsin waters. All Wisconsin waters. All of them are on the Chippewa River, just about eight miles from where I live. I have a little resort and. Uh, Last year we posted a 51-inch line class world record. It's biggest, biggest recorded fish fire. Excuse me, biggest recorded muskie on a fly rod. Now I know there've been bigger ones right. caught, sure. but they didn't bother to to record them. And uh, as far as uh, is the uh, now, do you have to use like a uh, you know, a steel leader or anything like that on on there to, to keep them from biting it off, or what uh, what kind of you know? I, I've, obviously, there are some differences between you know equipment-wise when it comes to, to trout fishing versus musky fishing uh, in the, the heavier equipment, the, the beefier hooks, things along those lines. We used to use a lot of steel leaders with snaps. We've sort of gone to 30-pound fluorocarbon now okay. because it, the fluorocarbon is it sinks for one but it doesn't really change the action of our flies. So we can still make the fly do what we want it to do. If we're using a steel leader, when you're stripping and you stop stripping, the, the steel has a tendency to make that fly drop. And with the fluorocarbon, you can make that fly suspend. Okay. So when that fly is suspended in the current, it still has a lot of action. And then when you start stripping again, and that's a lot of times when you, you trigger that strike. Okay. 
And uh, as far as uh, um, you know, fly fishing goes, what uh, what size gear you were talking about? I thought you said nine and ten weight. What nine. what size gear are you? primarily using? We use 9 and 10 weight rods. Usually a 9 foot rod, medium action. Uh, we use a lot of different types of fly lines. It just depends on the time of the year and the water depth that, the, that we want to fish. And uh, as far as the, uh, is there really a good time of the year to, that, that really is sort of prime time as far as uh, uh, going out fly fishing for muskie? June is good. The season opens in June and June is right after their spawn. So they're looking to eat. It's been a long winter for them. Uh, on through the, through the end of June and July and August, the fishing is still good. It starts tapering off latter part of August, beginning of September, all the way into October, November. It, it just increasingly gets better. As the water temperature cools, those fish really turn on. And I, I would say our middle of October till ice out, towards the end of November, the end of the season, is a prime time to hunt big muskies. So when the water temperature is what, in that 40, 50 degrees? Yeah, about 40, 45 to 48 degrees. Okay. They really start eating. Mm -hmm. and, and in the Chippewa, most all the smallmouth have, have left the river, gone down into the Holcomb, Holcomb Reservoir. Sure. So there's not a lot of forage. The weed beds are gone, and those big guys just come out, and they're on the prowl. And, and, and as far as, as the locations where you're finding them, then they, 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 it varies. Obviously, I'm, I'm assuming probably depending on the, the time of the year, June. They, are they running a little more shallow, a little deeper? Well, most of the rivers we fish are usually maximum about five foot, five foot deep. Okay. So I mean, we've moved big fish. There's 51 that, that uh, Brad Bowen caught with me in October was in about 12 inches of water. <laughs> so he was up. Obviously, looking for suckers, looking for something to eat. So it, it just—they're all over. You never know where they're going to go. They don't have weed beds anymore. They can't hide in the weed beds. So they're really going to be anywhere. It depends if they're eating or if they're resting or, or what they're going to be doing. Okay. So they, 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 that that myth of, like you said, the 10,000 cats—that that is a myth. I believe so. Yes. I mean, fly rotting. Uh, for muskies, they haven't seen these flies. They don't make a lot of noise. They they imitate the bait fish that are in the water. I know they're throwing. A lot of guys throw these one-pound bulldogs now, and muskies really don't eat that big stuff on the on the average. I would say that they stick to the six and eight-inch uh, bait fish. And, uh, and and again, obviously with the flies, like you said, it it looks. It's a little different presentation and, and certainly different looking lures compared to some of those, you know, those big musky sticks that you, you see the guys throwing out. Oh, definitely. You can throw that fly rod all day long, you know. <laughs> you don't need that 85-pound test and those two-pound, you know, the, the big old giant lures. Yeah. And, uh, our, pre our presentations are a lot simpler. They're a lot stealthier. Mm -hmm. I mean, not that the, the big lures don't... Uh, trigger strikes because right. they do, but uh, they have, a lot of these muskies, you know, they live to be 30 years old. They've seen yeah. a lot of gear tossed at them, and they haven't seen these flies, and that's that's why fly fishing for muskies is becoming so popular because it is very productive. And uh, and, and like you said too, it, it's a little more stealthy. And and can you, do you think you can control the, the 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 movement just so much better with the with the fly versus? Uh, 
a, a typical, what people, I guess, would maybe think of as a typical muskie lure. You can give it just that, that different action. Oh, definitely. We can we can control the fly, this action, from the time it hits the water till the time we get it back to the boat. We can stop it. We can make it suspend. We can swing it. And uh, you can't do that when you're throwing a big muskie bait. I mean, you stop and you have a follow, and that spinner bait, the buzz bait, falls right to the bottom of the lake or the river, and that muskie's done. We, us, if we stop, our fly just sits there, and they just sit there and look at it. You know, and they're going, okay, what's this, what's this going to do now? And when you start that strip again, a lot of times it really triggers that strike. And, and, I, and I'm guessing, too, you know, in a lot of cases, um, you can see those 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 muskies come up and hit that lure. That's got to be uh, just a visual thrill as well. Yeah, definitely. And there's nothing better than than watching that muskie come out of the weed beds or off the shoreline and and chase that fly. I mean, they'll move 30 feet to chase a lure or a fly, and it's the visual effect is uh, it really gets your heart pumping. And again, that's uh, an interview that I did uh, back at the Great Waters Fly Fishing Expo. About 10 years ago, as a matter of fact, time flies when you're having fun. Uh, no pun intended. Well, okay. anyway. Um, <laughs> but, again, uh, that, the, it is a, a lot of fun. And uh, uh, if you've ever had the opportunity to do that uh, or will get the chance to do that, definitely uh, definitely take it up. Um, boy, I mean, it just uh, – uh, can you imagine catching a 51-inch muskie on a fly rod? Wow. That, uh, that would be incredible. 40 even would be, I would take that as well. Sure. <laughs> no doubt about it. So anyhow, got to take a break and come back to wrap up WKTY Outdoors for this Saturday. Stick around. we got more of the program coming up in just a couple of moments here on WKTY 96.7 FM and 580 AM. the stories of the hot spots where the fish are biting and you're thinking can my old boat and motor get me there here's a solution for that a new bennington pontoon that's powered by a new yamaha four-stroke outboard available at powerhouse marine not only will this provide you with a way to get you to the hot spot but you can also enjoy the day on the river with your family doing some great sightseeing or if you're more a fishing boat kind of guy how about a new low fishing boat with a yamaha outboard a new low boat is great Great for not only fishing, but also pulling water skiers. Nobody knows boats and pontoons in this area like the guys at Powerhouse Marine. Wants to help you find your own hot spots? Check the different Hummingbird Helix fish finders also available. Maybe you just need a new trolling motor. Powerhouse Marine has a great selection of new Minn Kota trolling motors. So whether you're looking for a new pontoon like a Bennington or a new low fishing skiing boat, check with Powerhouse Marine and get to your hot spot. Hi, I'm Fred, the guy that named my business wrong. I'm Jacob Scott. I'm part of Fred's Break and Alignment on the north side of La Crosse, now known as Unique Edge Auto Repair. My first meeting with Midwest Family Radio, somehow we came out with, why did I name my business wrong? I actually used to go to to Chuck's presentations and learn more and more about it. I did see Chuck Mefford, and that was sort of the convincing part that, hey, this has a place in my business. 
consistency is what pays off, and you learn that through Chuck and, and through working with Midwest. We went from a two-bay shop to, to now eight bays. The marketing has become a very important tool in my business. Our growth could not have happened without it. Unique Edge came about because of the growth of our two companies. Go see Chuck Mefford and allow Midwest Family Broadcasting to help you invest in your business for now and into the future. Beach towels? Check. Sandwiches? Hey, where did all the sandwiches go? Tommy! I'm Scott from Schumacher Kish Funeral Homes. Summer in La Crosse is a fun and busy time, and the kids are excited to get out and enjoy all the things that our area has to offer. So this summer, we hope you have fun with your family and friends. And at Schumacher Kish Funeral Home, we'll be there when you need us the most. WKTY 96.7 FM, 580 AM. Welcome back to WKTY Outdoors. I'm Kevin Millard. Show is brought to you by Tony Ryerson at tryerson.cbrivervalley.com. Get the home or plot of land you've always wanted. Winding things down here for this Saturday. And uh, I certainly want to thank Jason here in the studio for uh, uh, running the board to this morning here and uh, helping out with the show as uh, this is on uh, on tape. I'm out of the studio here for the next, uh, uh, well, I've been out the last couple of weeks here. So, uh, I will, uh, I'll be back next Saturday with, uh, another, uh, another program for you. I'll be in the studio this time around. So, uh, and it's going to be a good one. Uh, I'm going to have the, uh, the second part of, uh, of my interview with chef Sean McManus talking about recipes <laughs> and, uh, and cooking fish, uh, and just, uh, just preparation and, and and uh, mainly we're going to be talking uh, talking some recipes here and uh, just some ways to uh, uh, do tasty things with fish, make them taste good. Mm. And uh, I am uh, I'm looking forward to playing that back for you. So I uh, hope you uh, hope you enjoyed uh, the first part of the program today and came away with some uh, uh, some good ideas and some some good information. Always, uh, like I said. Uh, as I've said before, and I'll, I'll probably always say this, I always come away with some new ideas from, uh, from chef Sean and some new ways of doing things. And, uh, that's just, uh, that's just the fun of it. So, uh, again, uh, we'll have that second part for you, uh, next Saturday on the program. So, uh, that means I got to wrap things up for this Saturday. I certainly want to thank you very much for listening to the program. Certainly want to thank the, uh, the sponsors of the show, uh, Tony Ryerson, uh, at tryerson.cbrivervalley.com. Uh, certainly also want to thank the uh, the folks out at Roscoe's Live Bait in Toma for sponsoring the conditions report, uh, such as they were, and uh, the hotspot report, brought to you by the good folks over at Powerhouse Marine as well. So, uh, again, appreciate, uh, appreciate your sponsorship, and uh, thank you very much for doing that. So uh, that means I've uh, got to wrap things up for this Saturday. Thank you very much for listening to the show. And we'll, uh, we will do it again next Saturday with another brand new show for you here on WKTY Outdoors. So until then, by all means, if you get the opportunity to spend some time outside, please do so. I mean, we are so blessed here in the area with uh, just some tremendous opportunities for hunting, fishing, hiking, biking, 
maybe do a little kayaking, some of the backwaters here. We are uh, we are really lucky to have what we have here, and, and certainly I hope you get the chance to enjoy that yourself. And, you know, hey, if you've got kids, take them out as well. Do a little bird watching, some nature watching. Teach them the joys of the outdoors. They will uh, have memories that will last them a lifetime. So until next Saturday, you have yourself a tremendous weekend, and we'll see you around on WKTY Outdoors. Your station for sports. Get up! Get out of here! Go! WKTY Lacrosse, 96.7 FM.